When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Monday morning to you. Hoping everybody's in good form and that you had a nice, leisurely, fun weekend. John Paul is back with us, looking very refreshed after his week off. So he's back taking your calls along with Sadie at 1850 333 103. Anything you want to share with us, uh, give us a call, please. You can also text or WhatsApp 086 to 103 103. And I can already see there are texts coming in about returning to schools and the possibility of all schools reopening at the end of next month or certainly by the start of September. And that, of course, is the plan. Certainly from the government's point of view, they are very anxious to get everybody back to school. Schools closed. Was it the 13th of March? Was that the date that I heard that the schools closed? Nobody could have predicted that the children wouldn't be going back in the school gates for the rest of the school year. Nobody could have known at the start. I remember in the early days there was a little bit of speculation that they mightn't get back until after the Easter holidays and the Easter was what, the 10th or 11th of of April so it would have been kind of mid-April before they would get back it was almost like you know the Easter holidays would be a month instead of two weeks and people thought oh that will never happen they'll have them back before the Easter holidays little could we have predicted that they wouldn't go back as they say for the rest of this school year so there is a big push now to make sure that everybody goes back into school in September and on the programme this morning we will speak with a secondary school teacher some from the ASDI uh, joining us I'm just interested in the views of teachers we know that it's today that the Cabinet will finally get to sign off on what is the roadmap for the opening of schools. But all of the newspapers today full of speculation as to what is going to be contained in that roadmap for the reopening of uh, schools. So your thoughts welcome throughout the morning. I mean, they're looking, for example, it's looking like lunch breaks will be staggered and pupils will only be allowed to mingle in the yard with their own classrooms. That's some of the ideas that are being uh, speculated about. Primary school children will be sectioned off into pods. Now the pods seem to be working quite successfully in creches. So the idea what they're talking about for primary schools is they'd have pods of four or maybe up to six pupils in each class. So they'd be in their own little pod and then they'd be separated by at least a metre from the rest of their classmates and another pod then they'd be together another say four to six and then another metre apart you'd have another uh, little pod of primary school teach uh, pupils 
pupils. Secondary school students will be asked to wear masks on school buses, but wearing them in classes will be optional. I know some teachers are very much in favour of secondary school pupils wearing masks because in if you're out and about in shops up to the age of 13, if you're out shopping with your children, the children do not have to wear a face covering. But if they're over 13, they are expected to wear a, some kind of a face covering or a mask if they're out in supermarkets or in any shops or in uh, any retail outlets. Uh, so the thought behind that would be, well, if they can wear them when they're out shopping, why can't they wear them in, inside in the classrooms? And if you look to other countries, and again, I think we can gain and learn from other countries because other countries are ahead of us in that other countries have already opened up their uh, schools and many countries have opened them up successfully and some countries have gone down that route that secondaries, all secondary school uh, pupils must wear masks. Now, how parents and the pupils and the teachers themselves feel about that, I don't know, but it's looking like at the moment uh, it'll be optional, but certainly on the school buses they will have to wear a face a covering. Funding is going to have to be provided for both primary and secondary uh, schools. Uh, they're saying they'll give funding to, so that the yards, for example, can be divided up and that will allow for seg- segregated outdoor areas for pupils, particularly during lunch breaks. And of course, our Education Minister, Norma Foley, uh, her plan has also cleared the way for the return of interactive sports. So what are we talking about there? The likes of your PE, uh, music, computer science and uh, metal workers. There had been a lot of talk that when schools reopened, would PE, would would they just completely do away with PE? Certainly for the first year, um, what, you know, music, things like that. What, what would, I mean, singing choirs, for example, there's certainly nobody practising or having choir practice at the moment. What, what will happen if there's a school choir, for example? All of that needs to be te- teased out. There will be strict cleaning regimes put in place and they'll have to be implemented by all schools if they intend to hold classes which involve pupils interacting with each other and using equipment. And back to funding, the Norma Foley, the Education Minister, uh, she has a fund available to her of €300 million. That's the plan. It'll involve major investment in sanitation, major investment in personal protective equipment. There will be uh, significant uh, changes funds available to to put significant changes to school buildings to make sure that they are compliant with COVID-19 health and uh, safety uh, standards. So we'll await to see on what the government sign off on today. But your your thoughts welcomed uh, this morning. Anne says, Patricia, how will schools reopening go with the transport issues? A lot of students use public transport to go to and from school. While there will be another cohort of students will go on the school bus, they ca- they can't continue as public buses are limited to one person per two seats. For example, if you have a, a 51-seater bus, which is your standard big bus, they could only take 21 pounds passengers says um, and that's another issue that is going to have to be addressed and the school bus itself is going to have to be addressed because we know uh, normally God at this time of year we'd be talking about people trying to get the discretionary bus seats for their sons and daughters I remember last year we did so many interviews about us so many families uh, were were left very disappointed when their son and daughter didn't get a seat on the bus and we had we had issues where a brother or a sister might have got a seat on the bus and then the other sibling didn't and oh, it was just caused ructions uh, last year but we're going to have the an additional worry this year if we go down the way public transport is operating nobody can sit beside you on the bus then I suppose the answer to that is going to have to be they'll have to put on extra school 
uh, buses but certainly it's looking like anybody getting on the school bus will have to wear a public mask but Anne's point I have to wear a face mask. Anne's point is it's, it's getting on on the normal public, the bus that everybody goes to work, uh, etc. There are children all over this country that use those buses to get to and from school uh, as well. So there's a lot still, a lot of I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed. But we need to get it signed off today. Where are we at today? 27th of uh, July. We are, what, four weeks away in some cases to some schools, because some schools, it's been a new phenomenon in recent years. Um, certainly for many years, schools never reopened until after the 1st of September. And it was usually the closest Monday after the 1st of September, uh, pupils went back. But now in the last number of years, children are starting to go back on a staggered base, basis, usually on the last week of August or whatever the last Monday of August, you'll start to see children back in school. So from the management point of view and the teacher's point of view there's work has to be done in these classrooms to make in these schools to make them all COVID-19 get them up to the COVID-19 health and safety standards so it can't be the week before that they're handed the blueprint if this is what you do to get the schools open so I think that as soon as they sign off on it today all of the boards of management all of the teachers need to be involved and need to then work flat out for the next month so that the schools can all fully reopen because the commitment has been there. I think from the start, the commitment has been there that all of the pupils will return. They want all pupils, all teachers on campus, none of this blended learning of doing so many, maybe a half day at home or maybe do two days a week inside in the classroom and do three days at home or vice versa. Nobody wants that. Everybody wants the children back into the classroom. I think everybody accepts it is the best way for a child to be educated is sitting in the classroom along with their peers and their teachers. So that's what the big push uh, is on. How are you feeling about it? Are you nervous about schools reopen? Will you be nervous about sending your child back into school or can you not wait for the day that school returns September of uh, 2020 bring it on 1850 so masks are not to be made mandatory for all schools somebody is saying not happy with that particular decision would prefer if all of the pupils when they go back into class that they are asked to wear uh, masks um, Michelle on our C103 Facebook page said I haven't seen there are there any talks about school uniforms for the, scum, for the coming school year as uniforms would need to be washed and dried after every school day is that true is that what we as parents are going to be asked to do I've seen it up on Facebook so I'm so not sure if it's true or not I did see it speculated that there was talks that for uniforms that it would be expected that each pupil would have a fresh clean uniform uniform the following day. Now, there are very few families that could afford to have five uniforms to allow for one every day of the week. Some families will maybe have two jumpers and two skirts, trousers, pinafores, whatever it is. But for other families, they might only be able to afford the one uniform. I think it would be a big ask of parents to expect them at the end of every day that you would be expected to take the uniform off Johnny or Mary and have it fully washed and laundered and smelling fresh for the following day. I don't know if it's going to be included in in the roadmap. Only time will tell. I've heard other speculation from parents saying scrap the uniform completely. 
if they're insisting that pupils go into school every day with a fresh outfit of clothes to make sure that they're not carrying around any virus with them then somebody's saying we'll just get rid of uniforms completely for this year and allow children to wear what they like that again won't please all families either your thoughts on the school uniforms please 1850-333-103 and on a different topic, Lorraine has contacted us uh, looking for other listeners' views uh, on this. Her son is 22. He is going on holidays to Spain next month along with three of his friends. It's four young guys going off on a foreign holiday. The holiday, Lorraine says, was booked and paid for in January of this year. They saved hard right across last year and they fully booked and paid for the holiday in January. Her son, and I don't know about the other three lads travelling, but her son was let go at the start of lockdown back in March and he immediately went on to the €350 uh, unemployment, the pandemic uh, payment. But he has now discovered that he will not be paid for the week that he's away in Spain and and he would cope with that but the department now she, Lorraine has found out as has her son won't pay him for the following two weeks when he comes back from Spain because he will be forced to self-isolate she said he doesn't mind she, he doesn't mind self-isolating he'll abide by all of the rules and regulations that he's asked to do but he is very upset about the fact that he won't receive any payment so he'll be three weeks without pay all because he's going to Spain for a week Lorraine feels this is very unfair on her son because her son saved very very hard for this holiday and she feels he is being penalised and wonders how do others agree uh, with and this was something I wasn't aware of I have to say uh, I only it only came to light for me at the weekend and there has been some criticism of, of the government they are coming under a little bit of fire uh, because they've gone public and saying they are stopping the pandemic unemployment payment the PUP payment as, as, it, as it is called for any person who leaves the country to go away on holidays like Lorraine's son the Taoiseach Lear of Radco defended the decision to have the Gardaí the Garda Welfare Offices, they are checking whether travellers were on the payment before they boarded a flight. They were at all of the airports. Now, the Green Party TD, Nessa Horgan, she's raised questions over why one group of people are being policed while travelling. And she said she's planning to raise the issue with the Social Protection Minister. The Sinn Féin leader, Mary Lou Macdonald, described the government as a shambles after it emerged that in the last two weeks, 104 people have had their payments stopped why? Because they took a flight to leave the country. Now, under the rules of the social welfare benefit, which were introduced after thousands of businesses businesses were forced to close. And of course, they were forced to close really, really quickly. So the government had to get this payment in place. And the government, in fairness, were lauded for doing what they did in such a short period of time. And they made it as easy as possible for people to apply for the €350. Euro. And there was very little criticism of people who were entitled to this payment not uh, getting it. But it clearly states in the, if you read through the rules and regulations of the COVID payment, it, it, um, the payment was never designed to allow people to travel abroad. And the theory was that if you were people who were unemployed because of COVID-19, if you allowed them to travel overseas, there was the risk that they could bring the virus back with them and they'd spread it even uh, further. And the government last week, even when they introduced, you know, they remember the green list of countries we spoke about, the 15 countries which are deemed safe uh, to travel. If you're getting the €350 Euro on the 
unemployment payment. You will still be cut if you fly to one of those countries. Now, Lorraine's son is going to Spain, which can I say, Lorraine, is not on one of the green lists. But even if, for example, Lorraine's son's holiday was booked to Malta, which is deemed one of the safer countries and you don't need to self-isolate when you come home. If Lorraine's son even decides to go to one, one of those countries, he still would use his pandemic payment for the week that he would be away in Malta or any of the other countries on the uh, the green list. Uh, Leo Varadkar said people receiving the payment must be resident in Ireland seeking work at all times and if you're away on holidays in Spain then you're not in Ireland uh, seeking work. Uh, your thoughts on that? Are you with Lorraine who's feeling a bit sorry for her son who was is, is obviously still looking forward to his holiday. I wonder is he still going to go? It will be a costly holiday for uh, your son Lorraine. As you say he already saved hard for the holiday and I'm assuming he's got his spending money and what he'll spend when he's out there and it will now cost him the bones of an extra thousand euro because he loses 350 euro for the week he's in Spain and then the department also will not pay him for the following two weeks that he has to uh, self uh, isolate. Uh, Are the government right? Were they right to put that clause in at the time that it was introduced that you must be available in this country and available uh, for work Uh, whereas if you're on unemployment benefit, job seekers benefits or allowance or any of the other social welfare payments you are allowed to go on a one a two week holiday but this is a very different payment and it clearly states if you read but who reads the small print it clearly states you are not allowed to leave the country so have you sympathy for Lorraine's son or is the government is it only right and proper that people who are on the unemployment pandemic payments that they should not be allowed to go on holidays. 1850 333 Sadie and John Paul taking your course text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Can't see a lot of sympathy coming in over the phones and by text and WhatsApp for Lorraine's son who is 22 going on a foreign holiday to Spain uh, next month and he's taking huge umbrage and so is she to the fact that he's going to lose his pandemic payment for the week he's away and also for the two weeks after he comes back. One text says yes I think it is 100% I'm 100% right of the government to cut the payment if anybody leaves uh, the country while on the pandemic unemployment payment Tim said anybody going on holidays in the current climate are irresponsible ignorant and selfish don't hold back Tim there should be no green lists says Tim either it should be no foreign travel whatsoever Mags says I think that mother Lorraine should be more worried about her son going against the government guidelines and going on what is an unnecessary journey how selfish of him Lorraine should simply tell him to stay at home yeah when I heard that he was going to Spain I kind of got a bit ooh Spain of all countries where they really are starting to And I know when he would have booked the holiday and paid for the holiday back in January, you know, there was no talk about coronavirus and there was no talk about anything going wrong uh, in Spain. But like now, knowing what we know... it's, it's it's a bit of a tricky one indeed but anyway okay uh, two rights as somebody else they should stop the payment uh, fully not just for a few weeks as the government say people should be actively looking for work when they are unemployed which they're not doing while they're out sunning themselves on uh, holidays okay so say not much sympathy coming in for Lorraine and her uh, son and then on the issue of school uniforms and we don't know until the government sign off on 
the roadmap for getting children back to school today. But one that was been speculated about over the weekend on the internet was that children would have to have a fresh clean uniform on every day. And some parents were saying that's going to put a lot of work on the mums and dads, but mainly the mums, if, particularly if you've got only the one uniform, you've got to wash it every day. A listener says, uh, Patricia, of course, they should have a clean uniform every single day when they go back to a school. Young mothers today have washers and dryers. Forgive me if I feel this is all a little bit of a joke. Ladies, and this is to young mothers, you don't want to scratch yourself now. You've got all of the gadgets and new kitchens. You've no washing, no ironing, no cooking. Thank God this pandemic has brought a bit of a reality to all but I'm really sorry who I'm really sorry for are all of those who have passed away particularly those in the older generation Uh, it was a real pity that we've lost so many lives due to COVID-19 and these were the generation that worked hard these were the generation that didn't have all of the gadgets that the younger mums have today cop on young parents says this texter and thank God you have children and that you have the health to care for them and don't be complaining because you're going to have to be washing extra uniforms every day now there's no name on that particular uh, text but thank you for it 086, a bit of a reality check uh, for all. And then Eileen in Clam on the issue of school uniforms because some are saying that if there is, if they do decide that every single pupil that goes to the school gates is going to have to have a fresh uniform or fresh clothes every day and when they come home they must remove them all and wash them all. Somebody is saying well then maybe scrap uniforms and let parents decide to let the children wear what they want to to wear. Eileen in Clam foresees a problem with that and says uh, Patricia, I really do hope that they don't get rid of school uniforms uniforms. Surely schools could allow the wearing of the full uniform one day and then let the pupils wear their PE uniform the next day and then alternate it. This would give parents a chance to wash and dry each set of clothes. No parent or child needs the pressure of finding their inadvertent commas right clothes to wear every day to school. Children and society can be very unkind to each other. We don't need to give some people the opening for teasing of others. Thank God for uniforms because they do keep our children safe from the meaner aspects of others. Thanking you, says Eileen Inclan. And how right you are. It's one of, I think, the main reasons when you talk to parents about why they like uniforms so much and you will have people complaining about certain uniforms and certain schools insisted, you know, that they can only get branded gear and they don't allow pu- they don't allow parents to buy, you know, the generic uniforms that you can get in the department stores. But all parents will accept the pressure that can be put on students when they're in school if they're not wearing the right runners or the right branded top it can put a lot of pressure and bullying can go on over what a little boy or girl is wearing in through the school gate so so you were dead right Eileen but that's a good that's a good solution if parents don't have a number of uniforms at home um, nearly every certainly every primary school children will have a school uniform and their PE gear so let them wear either are whichever is available that day let them wear it good that's a good solution uh, to that issue thanks for that Eileen 1850 Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now, Mental Health First Aid Ireland, it's part of the St. John of God group, have released the results of their Working From Home Wellbeing Survey, which has highlighted the challenges of home working during the pandemic. To discuss the findings, I'm joined by Martin Gillick, who is National Training Coordinator with Mental Health First Aid Ireland. Good morning to you, Martin. 
Good morning, Patricia. You're, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm very well and you're very welcome to the programme. Now, uh, how many of those surveyed are really enjoying working from home? Interestingly, I suppose if we look at that, and I suppose it's very heartening from that perspective in relation to it, that, you know, we found that in realistic terms that, you know, um, more or less, what do you, you know, um, over near, over a third, nearly 35% of people were actually felt more motivated working from home. And again, what do you got, nearly 60%, about, 50, about 58% would have said that, you know, they enjoyed the whole autonomy of actually working from home. So there are, although there are, you know, there are impacts from working from home, um, we would say there's also very much there's that sense of the positives as well. Is it hard to strike the work-life balance? I know when I speak to anyone that I know that is working from home, they all talk about they are working much longer hours. Well, our survey has shown that, and I suppose even, where, even if I think of it from a personal perspective, what our survey has shown is that basically um, approximately about, um, what is it, um, you know, that the average extra number of hours people are working is approximately about nine hours per week. So we're talking greater than an additional day's work has been conducted. So looking at it from that perspective, and again, very much people actually, you know, finding it difficult to actually, I suppose, define the difference between, you know, work time and actual home time seems to have been, um, you know, an issue that has arisen as a result of very much this mass shift of, of, I, I suppose, very much working practice in many respects and as you know it has happened globally but again in Ireland we haven't been immune to it either Do some find it isolating to be working from home? Yeah, we, we you know when we looked at the looked at the information in relation to it. Yes, we what we found was that yet yeah, that basically that you know isolation seemed to have been a, been an issue there as well in relation to that you know very much many of us I, I suppose from a work perspective where does a lot of our, our our social activity happen? It happens within the workplace, and I suppose as a result of the pandemic and as a result of people I suppose very much being placed into a position of enforced home working. That, you know, we've lost some of that connection that we we would normally have with it over the course of the workday. Like the cup of coffee with the workmate, the, the cup of coffee, the with chat the at the water the cooler, chat, the ch- chat at the water cooler, yeah. the chat over the you know across the desk. You know, m- much of that has uh, has changed. And I suppose looking at it from the impact that I suppose you know isolation, we also found that basically sleep patterns had been affected. People working longer hours, very much the you know the effect of um, what do you got? You know, back, shoulder, and neck pain. You know, like what do you got? Forty-one to forty-six percent of people, you know, uh, more or less reported that basically they were experiencing more uh, shoulder, back, and neck pain than normal. And is that is that stress, or is it to do with the way they haven't got proper office chairs at home? I would say it's a combination of, and again, interestingly, approximately ninety percent of people who. Um, who more or less who took part in our survey stated that no no risk assessment had been completed in relation to I suppose basically a safe place to work from home, and sometimes I suppose we have this picture of working from home. We have a nice little home office set up, and I suppose I'm, I'm probably one of those lucky ones. I had the space where I could actually do that. But many people are working from the corner of a kitchen table or the corner of a room. They may be working on a laptop. They may not be using the proper chair. And very much, you know, I suppose if you think about working from a laptop, very much you're bent over. So mm. very much the additional strain that that can put on put, put on us. I take it job security, Martin, is, is an issue and people are fearful and worried about their 
future yeah, job. Go, going forward, what we're seeing there is that basically, yeah, I, I suppose that, yeah, that is a, an additional worry from the perspective of, you know, you know, will I have a, you know, uh, what do you got? What is in my position in relation to, uh, what do you got? You know, maintaining my my job going forward. And again, what do you got? We also seen it from the point of view when we asked people in relation to, um, I suppose, returning back to work. What was one, you know, what were their, I suppose, greatest concerns? And some of the greatest concerns that we had seen there would would have been the primary one was basically people actually contracting COVID nineteen. That was one of the primary ones. But the other two that kind of fell in behind that and were coming in, you know, at in around the the forty percent mark from from most people in relation to that was in relation to basically um, a change in work practice, maybe increase in workload. And also, in addition to that, basically, possibly an effect on their actual income or the levels of income that people. So again, all those, if you combine them together, would say, you know, physically what was happening for people in relation to, you know, musculoskeletal pain, uh, worry, lack of sleep, you know, all of those can have a, a huge impact on a person's, um, I suppose, basically well-being. And part of the survey also looked at the whole area of basically, you know, where were people with their well-being? We found that according to the uh, we, we what, uh, the WHO5, which is basically an index, which, you know, gives you a sense of basically how people are, are doing with their well-being, that 40% of people reported poor well-being. Uh, and do they feel supported by their employers? The majority do, yes, very much so. They, you know, and again, feel very much trusted by their supplier or, or by their employers in relation to that. And also, I suppose, very much the sense behind, I suppose, what the survey is realistically telling us is that basically there are a percentage of people out there, you know, and what do you got? Although it's not, um, well, you know, it, it, it's not in the majority, there is still quite a sizable percentage there that basically that we need to look at how best we can actually support those people going forward. And again, what I would say to you there is that basically there's a lot of takeouts that employers can actually take from the actual survey in relation to how best to support their employees who may continue to homework, but also as employees start to return to the workforce. I think the key one here is communication. In other words, keeping the levels of communication open with employees, but also, I suppose, very much that awareness of, you know, when things are starting to change for an employer and being able to, I suppose, engage in, you know, in a conversation. And the conversation is not just about the worker. It's not just about basically, you know, maintaining, um, you know, uh, performance levels. It's very much about what's happening on a human level for the person. And I suppose many employers may not be aware of what you guys, you know, um, or, or feel that they have the skills to do that. And what I would say is basically being aware of where you can, um, I suppose, be best placed to uh, obtain those skills or get those skills. Do you think um, some of the people w- want to remain working from home, that they like it now, they've given it a try, it's working well for them and they would prefer to remain at home? Is that going to be an issue going forward? Um, I, look, I think it's very much so. Is it, would you, it, not that it will be an issue, but basically what you got when employers look at work-life balance and how best to be able to implement that, it may be, you know, it may be beneficial to to actually have some of your workforce actually working from home, depending on the industry and depending on, you know, um, access to, um, you know, the right resources, you know, both 
from a physical perspective, but also from a, more or less from a psychosocial perspective as well. So what I would say is, yes, there may be benefits that will come from this, and many employees may look at it from the point of view of, yes, I, I no longer have a an hour or a two-hour commute every day. Mm. So they, you know, so so yes, there, we we have we have to look at it in the whole. Then we're not just looking at the negatives; we're also looking at the positives and how we can enhance that from an employee's perspective. Yeah, I was, you know, when you were talking about job security and, and you know, the, the fact that some people were worried about their jobs going forward, I wondered, is that one of the reasons why so many working from home saying that they're putting in much longer days? Are people afraid, so if they get an email at six in the evening, normally they wouldn't be in the office so they wouldn't be able to answer it. But is there yeah. is there a sense of, oh, I'm worried about my job, I better be, you know, answering emails at all hours of the day and night? It may be the case that, you know, very much that sense of where people are actually concerned, you know, if I don't answer the email or I, you know, I don't take a call outside my normal work hours. However, what I would say is that basically every employee should also have the right to switch off. Mm. In other words, very much that sense of actually having a defined day and creating a structure in coordination with their employer. And it may work for some people that, you know, that basically they break their day. So in other words, their day may appear longer. But I think that also needs to be communicated with to the the other members of the team that they may work with. So that basically other members of the team don't feel that um, they're under compliment that they have to answer that particular email or that particular, you know, um, what do you, guess, you know, uh, query that may come in outside their normal work hours. But I suppose the most important thing that employers can learn, Martin, from your survey is the importance of good mental health and well-being for their employees. Absolutely. And what I would say is that basically from an employer's perspective to look at it from the point of view that basically that, you know, there, there is a, a return on investment. If you invest in the, the mental health and the mental well-being and the, the overall well-being of your staff, that basically um, Deloitte, if I'm not mistaken, did a survey a couple of years back and they looked at this and they found that in the region of about a five to one return, so for every euro spent, basically, there was a five euro return in relation to implementing more or less a, a well-being strategy. And I think mental health and the physical health of our employees is only part of it, but I think it's also an important part. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Alan says, uh, absolutely remote working is here to stay. It's the one thing that COVID-19 has shown us that for many people, depending on their job, of course, uh, you can be working anywhere in the world and still do your job. Um, thank you for that, Alan. And actually, I saw, was it the, was it the, Barbados at the weekend came out. They're looking for people. If you want to remote work, why not go to Barbados for a year? Did you see that? Um, I'll, do you know what? I'll have to get details no. after the show because yeah. that sounds very interesting <laughs> from my perspective as well. Uh, they, and I just thought fair dues to the government in, in Barbados. They've picked up on the fact that so many people are working from home and in some cases, depending on the job that you do, wouldn't it be lovely to be working in, in, in Barbados uh, for a year? Oh, absolutely, I, well, actually, I'm, I'm told you're, you're, in, you're in lovely cove today. I am. I'm actually. Do you know what? I'm. I'm putting out. Um. I my, myself, my wife, and my granddaughter are actually taking a, a couple of days or an hour. Yeah. So Staycation. 
staycationing and we're actually going out to Spike Island uh, this morning. Oh, you love it. You absolutely love it. Yeah. Uh, it's a pity we can't make the sun shine for you when you're in, when you're in Cork, but it's to brighten up later on. Uh, sure, look, uh, Cork always puts a smile on my face. Well anyway. done. Well done. Well, enjoy. Listen, Martin, I really enjoyed our chat. Thank you for that. Enjoy your thanks few days of R&R. Sure. And thanks for Thank joining you. us. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Martin Gillick, the National Training Coordinator with Mental Health First Aid uh, Ireland, which I think uh, with a very interesting study about the whole impact and the challenges that face people who are working from home but the big one is is to look after for employers to make sure that they're looking after their employees mental health and well-being and I suppose for the employees themselves as well 1850-333-103 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103 For today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 People still reacting to Lorraine who whose son hopes to go to Spain next month. He's holiday paid for since January along with his three mates but he's going to lose his 350 COVID-19 payment and the sting in the tail. Doesn't mind losing it for the week he's away but he now knows he's also going to lose it for the two weeks he comes back when he has to self-isolate. Margaret in Mallow says, I think it's a joke. Spain is riddled with COVID-19. Uh, has he thought about what happens if he brings back COVID-19 with him and who he could pass it on to? His mother seems to be worrying, worrying more, more about money and putting money over health. Diane said, sure, God love him. Tell that to all the people who have lost their lives because of people like Lorraine's son. Some people are very thick, says uh, Diane. And the government, Mary in Spain, says the government set up the €350 Euro COVID-19 p- payment to help people who were unemployed, not for what Lorraine's son wants to do. The government were good enough to give him this money. He should not get the payment and he should not be going on this uh, holiday. Well, in fairness, he had the holiday paid for Lorraine as a pains to point that out. He had the holiday paid for since January. He did. He's not paying for the holiday out of the COVID nineteen payment. Maybe some of the spending money is coming out of it, but certainly the holiday itself was paid for in advance. Oh. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C one hundred three. Court's greatest hits. C one hundred three. You're listening to Court Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A lot of people responding to Lorraine and Lorraine's son, the 22-year-old who has a holiday booked for Spain with his three friends next uh, month. But he's on a COVID payment and of course he's just found out over the weekend that he'll lose his payment the week he's away, which he doesn't mind. She said he's, he's okay with that. He's away. He's not going to be available for work. But uh, he is very annoyed about the fact that for the two weeks when he comes back and he'll have to self-isolate, he won't receive his €350 Euro COVID uh, payment. Uh, Jennifer said, would you tell Lorraine, uh, does she or her son not listen to the news? Spain is going into its second wave. Is he really seriously considering going to Spain? Well, I suppose a 22-year-old doesn't worry about whether it's a first wave or a second wave. He's looking at it. He saved hard, worked hard all last year. And he paid for his holiday in January and he wants his holiday. Seems to be uh, the view. It's just he doesn't in any because in any of the correspondence we've had with Lorraine, coronavirus hasn't been mentioned in a fear factor of picking up COVID-19. It's more that he's not going to get his pandemic, his unemployment payment while he's away or when he comes back. Richard said it's not a free ride. This is a health scare. We are going through a global pandemic and you can tell Lorraine she's as bad as him letting him go on holiday in the first place especially to a country that's 100 times worse when it comes to COVID-19 or 10 times worse when it comes to COVID-19 than we have here in this country well 
in Lorraine's defence, he's 22, he's an adult. I take it he's living at home, but I suppose she can't take his passport off him. If he was under 18, it would be different, but he is uh, 22. Stephen says he is out of the state, so why should he be, be paid? So many people had holidays booked from last year that they have been forced to cancel, so he won't be on his own. Tom in Spain said, that young fella must have no brain. Uh, whatever about anybody else, he has no regard for his own family. If he did bring back COVID-19 to him. Tom says, I'm here in Fomoy. I'm afraid to go to another county here in Ireland, let alone to even consider going to another country. Cannot understand it at all. Amanda agrees with Lorraine. It is a joke. I'm in the very same boat when I come home. I will have no wages for two weeks. That's why I've decided not to go. How about give me my money back on my flights, says uh, Amanda. Yeah, there are people and you're not, you're not, you're certainly not on your own in that boat, Amanda, in that there's so many people have lost out on their flights because if the flights go ahead and I think that that's the case with Lorraine's son, his package holiday to Spain is going ahead so he would lose out on the money um, and, but he's not on his own. There's, there's thousands of people that that has happened to but Amanda you've made the decision to cancel and not go because you would be without wages for the for two weeks because many businesses are saying that to people they can't say to an employee you can't go abroad but many businesses we discussed this last week on the programme many businesses are saying to people well if you do go uh, when you come back you're going to have to self-isolate and self-isolate means you're going to have to take two weeks unpaid leave unless of course you've, maybe you have two weeks holidays you can take but there's very few people if you do two weeks in the sun would have another two weeks in the, su- in the summer that they'd be able to take off on uh, holidays. Seamus says he has been, as indeed all of us, have been advised by the government for our own protection and for his protection not to travel uh, abroad unless the trip is absolutely uh, ad- ad- essential. And here we have a young guy who's considering going to Spain. Now, come on, snap out of it, Mama, please, and give him a little lesson in life Sometimes one must listen to the voice of reason. You, as in Lorraine, is talking about this being unfair and your son will tell that to the thousands of families that have missed vital time with elderly parents and relatives over the last five months. Families who could not even be with their loved ones when they passed away. That's unfair. So stop. Please don't make me laugh thinking it's unfair that your little boy is going to go on holidays and he won't get his COVID payment when he comes back. Your little boy needs to grow up and grow up fast, says uh, Seamus, who's not holding back any punches for sure. And James wants to know on this ruling from the government saying that if you go abroad and you're on your COVID payment, you will lose it. He's wondering about the legalities of it. He says if this COVID payment regulation, is it not a breach of the rules regarding the single market the free travel of goods, services, capital and people. I don't know how it would fall under that, uh, James. I mean, the government are not stopping somebody from travelling. They can't, you know, they're they're not at the airport saying to people, they can advise people, don't get on a plane, don't travel. But they're not stopping anyone. But what they can do is, they can say to people, if you're on a pandemic unemployment payment, you must be available for work. And if you leave the country, you must be a resident in Ireland seeking work in order to get the payment. Then if you're abroad, then obviously you're not a resident and you're not seeking work. And I suppose the add-on to that is, if you're self-isolating, you can't be seeking work either. So therefore, on those grounds, 
they are entitled to take the money back. I don't, I can't see it being a breach of EU, ro- EU rules in the single market, but maybe I'm interpreting it wrong. If anybody else wants to throw their tuppence safety worth in on that, thank you for your call, uh, James. When I asked, does anybody have sympathy for, for Lorraine and her son? Uh, a WhatsApper says, none. What type of entitled people are out there? Why do they who do they think is paying the €350 a week that he's claiming every every week? It's taxpayers, of course. Why is he still on the payment anyway? Stop this payment completely. How much did he earn last year, says uh, James? Well, he's obviously entitled to to it. The fact he's still on the €350, he must have been earning more than €300 because we know people earning less than than €200 had their uh, payments reduced to 203 so he, he's, he's entitled to it in that he was working and he has lost lost his job and he will be entitled to it when he comes back from holidays and once he comes out of isolation he will still be he's not breached any of those rules or uh, regulations who is this government and then someone else says who is this government to tell people where they can and can't go we are prisoners in our own country we need change so I take it that's somebody who is sympathising with Lorraine's son and we shouldn't have a government telling us where we can and can't go well again and I'm not here to defend the government all they can do is advise us they can advise us not to go. They, they're not stopping anyone from going. So you're not a prisoner in your own country. If you want to go, you can go. But they, the government, take all the health advice and they give us the advice that if you go to a country like this, there is a high chance and a high probability you can pick up uh, COVID-19. That's what they're there to do, is to, is to give us the advice. Tom says, Patricia, if he does go to Spain, he should be cut off totally from his payment. He's not worried who he will infect when he comes home. I've no sympathy at all. He should not be allowed to go back onto the payment. We'd all like a break abroad, but none of us are going anywhere. Well, the majority of us are going nowhere this year, says uh, Tom. And someone else says, uh, families are relying on that payment to survive. Uh, whereas if they Whereas some seem to be using it for holidays, it's wrong on genuine people who really are struggling uh, financially. 1850-333-103. Just some of your thoughts coming in. Let me see, was there a couple of texts in on it as well? Patricia, the government are right. Why should people work flat out in healthcare, in retail? etc. and frontline services putting their own lives at risk during the pandemic while others are going on holidays on a COVID payment. Really? It's a disgrace if he goes. I have no sympathy for him whatsoever. I think, says Christine in Cork, it is fair not to pay him for the time that he's in Spain for the week off. But I think it's very unfair, said Christine, not to pay him for the two weeks that he is in uh, quarantine. So there's somebody who sees the unfairness of the two weeks in isolation of him not being uh, paid. But that's just a sample. All the rest of the calls are very much on the vein that I've called out. People are very much siding with the government and saying it's right that people on this payment shouldn't receive it when they are abroad. And then John from Blackpool says, Patricia, I have two friends uh, away on holidays. One has gone to France and one has gone to Lanzarote. Am I right in saying that they have to, uh, to isolate when they came home, says John from Blackpool? Yeah. The government advice is if you do decide to travel to France, which isn't on the green list, and Lanzarote, which comes in under Spain, uh, then yes, you are expected to self-isolate when you come home. They'll also be expected to fill in the travel 
tracker location when they come home so that they can be uh, contacted but they are expected to do it and majority of people are doing it but you know there has been a lot of criticism that there's nobody checking up to see who's doing who's self-isolating and who's not okay and then we've had reaction to school uniforms and will school uniforms need to be washed every single day when the children go back to school because of COVID-19 what kind of pressure is that going to put on uh, parents and we had one texter to the programme who said young mothers was talking about all of the mod cons that young mothers have and that they have life so easy today and yet they're still giving out and they're still cribbing. Another listener very much on that vein says the Minister for Children needs to cop on. We are dealing with young useless, now I'm re- this, this is somebody's views okay, not mine obviously. We're dealing with young useless parents who want to practically do nothing, only hang out with each other in coffee shops all day while their children are being babysat in schools are in creches. But again, the pandemic gave them a boot up the behind and let them know what teachers have to do. They are the first to give lip and give out about teachers or babysitters are the grandparent minders. I'm not minders. I'm not a teacher, by the way, but I see plenty and I know what is going on. Your kids are not showpieces to display sometime. You are the parents, so act like it and look after your children, okay? And then on the younger mothers today having the mod cons versus the older generation who didn't have any of the mod cons. I'm not a mother but fair play to anyone who has the mod cons says Linda in uh, Mallow but even if you have a mod con you still have to pay for all of the electricity to run those mod cons so who can tell Oh, but, and, and she asks who can tell if the children's clothes are washed every day or not when they go into uh, school Hi, uh, Patricia, to the lady giving out about young mums. Well, I'm one of them and I don't have all the mod cons. I do have a washing machine, but that's it. I'm hoping that my children won't have to wear their school uniform. I'm hoping that they will be allowed to wear their tracksuits. As tracksuits are much easier, you'll have more of them at home as they come at a lot cheaper cost. I work very hard, both outside and in the home. And in my case, if the clothes had to be washed, like the school uniforms had to be washed every day, which, by the way, I think they should be, it would be easier to allow them to simply wear their school tracksuits. I also think the children should have a quick shower every day as well. But my concern is that all the rules and regulations won't be adhered to by all of the parents. And then you're going to have a, a split. And back to that lady who's giving out about young mothers. My message to her today is be kind. Just please be kind. Christine also points out that on school uniforms, not every household and not every family has a, a dryer. So it will be hard for some to wash uniforms every day and have them dried and ready for the next day. Plus, families are hard pressed without all of the extra energy costs of running washing machines and for those lucky enough to have dryers if they're running those every day. I think letting the children wear their own clothes, surely that will be the answer. And someone else wants to know, is there any news on outside caterers coming into the schools and offering school dinners. It would be so good for me, says this listener. As a parent, I have children, as a parent, I would love my children to have a hot meal at lunchtime in the middle of the day because it can be nearly five o'clock before they come home on the school bus. They obviously live in a rural area. It's such a worrying time for all of us. And P.S. I don't have a clothes dryer to have fresh uniforms ready every uh, day. Um, keep safe that's what is so 
important. I haven't heard anything about school dinners being uh, introduced, but we'll wait and see. But I think with all the additional costs that they have to put in place for the cleaning of the schools, I don't know if school dinners are going to be high on their priority. But would would other mothers and parents and dads and families like the idea of what they do in other countries where your children go to school and part of their school day is to be given school dinners uh, whereby they get them while inside in school. 1850-333-103. Keep your thoughts and comments uh, coming. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Jobs. Childminder is required for two children in the Bandon area. Help with homework will also be required. Uh, Childminder wanted for after school, half two to five, Monday to Friday. That's in the Charleville area. While a plasterer is wanted in the Carrigaline area, you must have your own transport, safe pass manual handle and COVID-19 course. And community employment position available for many areas of West Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now the Taoiseach has confirmed that all schools will fully reopen next month with Micheál Martin saying a comprehensive plan has been brought to the Cabinet today detailing a package of measures and resources that will be needed to achieve that. To find out our secondary school teacher are feeling about a return to the classroom. I'm joined by Anne Pickett, who is the current Vice President of the ASTI. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning. Uh, you're, you're welcome to the programme. Now, we are going to have to wait until after today's Cabinet meeting for the plan to be published, but are you confident that there's enough time to get the schools open for September? Well, first and foremost, everybody wants to go back to school, so I suppose we have to try and make sure that they are open um, by even the end of August, because that's the return date. Um, I'm I'm worried about what might be in the plan in terms of health and safety for everybody involved. But as you say, we have to wait until later on today, and it seems to be very secretive as to what's in that plan. Has there been much consultation with teachers' unions like your own uh, union to get your views on the safe delivery of education? Okay, so the talks have been going on for the last few weeks and representing my union is the General general Secretary and the President. Now, I'm Vice President and I have no idea what's happening because these talks are confidential, but I did hear my President on the radio yesterday saying that she isn't fully sure what's going to be in the plan either. So it's highly confidential and we have to wait. But the Sunday Times yesterday did say um, a few little things and they said that masks might be optional and um, social distancing might be adhered to, but I'm wondering, will that be a two-metre distance or will it just be one? What would be your view on the wearing of masks? How, how, how would you as a teacher feel about wearing a mask all day? Do you think the pupils should be wearing masks all day? OK, well, well, I am very much in favour of students wearing masks. Now, I know that might be feasible for all students who might have underlying conditions. Um, I think in China, part of their system on returning to school was that they provided face masks for everybody and if students were missing them during the day, they would hand them out, they would give out replacements. Now, I saw a document a few weeks ago that was advice that said students need not wear masks and teachers could not ask them to wear masks. Now, I think the update on that is that masks might be optional. Masks will prevent the spread of the virus, which is highly contagious. So I would be very much in favour of it. In terms of teacher, teachers wearing masks, I suppose it's hard to talk with them 
but maybe screens, you know, the screens that people yeah. wear over their faces. Yeah, and the visors. Be, the visors. And I would also be very much in favour of perspex across desks. Now, I know in Korea and in China, they had perspex between students on the desks as well. And the only time students were allowed to take the masks off there was when they were eating their lunch. Now, the other thing is, in those countries, they have temperature checks every morning. The ASTI has a health and safety committee. We have raised the idea of a temperature check on the way into schools. I don't know, will that, will that be in the plan at all? But I think that might be a good idea because it might be an indication of who might be sick or who mm-hmm. might be carrying the virus. Yeah, and I mean, of course, we're going to be going into flu uh, season and, and, and head colds and coughs and, and colds. I mean, I, I'm assuming both for pupils and for teachers, whereas before teacher might have been very stoic going into school with the head cold, that'll be a thing of the past. Everyone will be remaining at home. Uh, well, you see, the issue now is um, sick leave. Our sick leave was dramatically reduced with the recession. So we have seven uncertified sick days in two years and our certified sick leave has already been cut. And we would like clarification as to whether um, if we're off because we're displaying symptoms, is that coming out of our own sick leave? Because if it is, you might get some people who might go to school, which we don't want, of course. Um, So if we had temperature checks, then at least people could be told, well, you're showing symptoms, you shouldn't come in. But we certainly need clarification on our sick leave because if students are out, they can't be using up all their sick leave because they've been told to leave. Um, In relation to the flu season you mentioned, I think last year was particularly bad. And there were times when I went into classes in December and January when a third to a half of my students were missing because they all had picked up clues in school. And I think that would have been similar in other schools as well. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with the flu season this year if we all are sticking to the hand hygiene and the social distancing and the wearing of masks. I wonder will we cut down on the amount of flus that will be going around? You know, we might well do, but I suppose we also have to think that school, some schools have 16, 1,700 students. Some are smaller. Mm. Some smaller schools are built for 400 students and they might have 550 inside. Mm. Um, so I suppose the point is we have huge groups congregated and I'm just wondering how we're going to keep them all apart during lunch times on their way into school are we going to have enough space to, to separate them out and you know I, I, I was just reading in other countries again they staggered toilet breaks they staggered lunch times they staggered entry times they sprayed students clothing on the way in and their parents sprayed them when they went home again now I can't imagine we'll have anything as vigorous but as a country we have been very good um, in the last few months over, over how we've handled this and in keeping numbers down except for the nursing homes which was hugely unfortunate and um, the other thing is you know we're talking about substitute teachers we really shouldn't have substitute teachers moving from one school to the next to the next to the next because that might spread a virus so if there was any way that substitute teachers could even be employed in by a school or two schools for the whole year because I'm sure they'll be needed and that would stop the spread of a virus as well. That's a really good point because we had the issue with the agency nurses going from nursing home to nursing home and there was talks of that was one of the ways that that it spread as well. Substitute teachers will be the very same. They would, but then again, I'll imagine they'll be needed very much in school. So if they could be just kept within one or two schools, that, that might certainly help. And you're going to need a number of substitute teachers. 
we will now the trouble is again a lot of our younger teachers have gone to Dubai they've gone to England they've gone to Canada they're teaching abroad because their pay was cut on top of that they can't seem to get full-time jobs and I know we hear about teacher shortages but we still have far more teachers applying for jobs than jobs that exist or we have teachers in school and maybe six or seven hours work waiting around all week to pick up more work so I suppose those teachers are available for any substitute work that might happen. But even if you think about their own situations, if they get sick, what is their situation in relation to sick pay? Yeah, yeah. And, just... and also, a lot of those teachers would have had other jobs at pubs and restaurants and shops. Gone. and Gone, totally gone. So, you know, they're, they're in extremely vulnerable situations. Okay, a couple of questions coming in. Does Anne think that smaller schools will struggle uh, with it if the two metre social distancing is uh, required? Will some schools struggle uh, because of smaller classroom sizes? That would be an issue in some of the schools, won't it? Well, I suppose smaller class, smaller schools might necessarily have smaller classrooms. But even currently in, in, in schools, now I know I would have had classes with 30 students in them and my classroom was much smaller than the teacher next door who might have had 12 students. So even simple things like swapping, you know, the small classes in the small rooms and the big classes in the big yeah. rooms. I don't know, will it be a two-metre social distance? Will it be one? But then should should the adults who might be vulnerable try and maintain a two-metre distance at all times? But, but students themselves be safe. Like, they need to, to stay away from anybody else. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You might um, might not be safe. Will smaller schools struggle? Do you know, I think some of the bigger schools with 1,600 students, they might struggle even more. And, you know, if you think about morning assemblies, hundreds of students might go to, to be ticked in in the morning. I don't expect that can happen. So those big spaces could perhaps be adapted and used. But I now walk past pubs that are doing a lot of work and have builders outside. That's not happening in schools, and that needs to happen. Any area that could be transformed just for now to make extra space, or maybe there might be systems whereby schools need more prefab or they might need to use local community halls or rooms in other venues for now. 
But again, we'll have to wait for the plan, yeah, which and, may or may not encompass any of those ideas. And, and that's why my opening question was, you know, I mean, we're, we're probably a month out, aren't we, from the start yes. of schools. We need we need this sooner rather, rather than later, because I know at the weekend, the Education Minister, Norma Foley, I mean, she was talking about it was a, a 300 million euro plan that to inv- to invest into the schools and, and, and part of the budget was to, was to be used to change school buildings to make sure that they'd be compliant uh, with COVID-19 health and uh, safety standards. So it looks like the money is going to be there, but we physically need that work to begin. Yeah, and I know I've had meetings with principals and deputy principals of my own union who've been very frustrated for months now, waiting for guidelines, waiting for money. And it's the 1st of August next weekend. And schools will be back quite soon. Our, who's on holidays? Are builders on ho- holidays? Are school principals? On a week's holidays now within Ireland, wherever they are. But um, yeah, it's very, very little time to get all of this work done. The other discussion we're having this morning, Anne, is about school uniforms. Because again, it was speculated across the weekend on social media that if children with are wearing school uniforms, they're going to have to be washed every day and a clean uniform the next uh, day. What's your view on, do you think uniforms should still stay in place? If, if that is to be introduced, that they've got to be clean every day. Well, I know if we wear masks, um, you know, masks that we can use again, we're told to go home and wash them after every wear at the 60-degree wash. Mm. I I just mentioned there that in China, they're spraying down students on their way in and out of school. We won't be having any of that. Um, So it's it's probably a good idea if clothes are changed regularly. School uniforms are very expensive. Students are not going to have several sets to wear every week. I know I passed a a parent's on the road the other day going into a shop and I heard them talking and they said that in their school they were told that they, they wouldn't their children would not be wearing uniforms and that was a primary school. Um, I suppose whatever has to be done, I, I'm not too worried about school uniforms. If, if students, be, I think their behaviour is more important than whether they wear a school uniform or not. Um, I suppose anything that can be done to stop the spread and, but I imagine that will be up to individual schools. Yeah, yeah. So in the ideal world, all teachers, all pupils back on, on campus, no blended learning. Hopefully, that would be that would be a good idea. Teachers um, were totally overwhelmed with the work that they engaged in and they really don't want to do that anymore. Um, they certainly don't want both. You don't want to go into school and teach all day, come home then and have to deal with other students online because they that you would, you would only have your students in school in the day. Um, we would like everybody back, but we would like them back extremely safely, both for the students' sake, the teachers' sake, and the sake of everybody living in the community. Okay, listen, we'll uh, we'll speak again. Um, and in the meantime, uh, thank you for, uh, for that. By the way, I, I, I know I introduced you as the, the Vice uh, President of the ASTI. Are you due to become President of the ASTI soon? Yeah, I think I got a new title last Friday. Did you? We, our, our convention is normally in Easter, but because of COVID and everything else, we had it online last Friday. So I think Friday morning I became officially known as the president-elect. Okay. So first, the 1st of August now I will officially be the president. Oh, well, that's great. So president-elect, congratulations yeah, to you. Thank we'll, you so much. We'll speak again, and listen, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, thank good you. morning Bye-bye. to you, uh, Anne Pickett, president-elect of the ASTI. Uh, 1850-333-103. Helena in North Cork said, it's a pity that the pandemic had to happen before we realised that the classroom sizes in this country are simply too large. You can have 30 to 40 in some classrooms. 
that simply too many children, people didn't see this before and children were becoming frustrated and hampering their education and needed attention before uh, this. Well, I think we've always known we've some of the biggest classroom sizes across Europe and we didn't need a pandemic uh, to tell us that way. I think we knew that, but maybe it's going to take a pandemic to do something about it to stop us having those large uh, classrooms. 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now this day last week, my next guest decided to go for a swim. Not your everyday swim, but a 40 kilometre swim in cold, open and unpredictable water. Steve Redmond has become the first to complete the monster round trip of swimming from Baltimore Harbour to the Fastnet Rock Lighthouse. I'm delighted to say uh, Steve joins me. Good morning to you, Steve. Morning, well, well, I'm doing very well. Congratulations to you. It took you just over 15 and a half hours. How long does it take you to recover from a swim like that? Uh, you, it's hard to know. You kind of fade in and out for the week afterwards, you know. But uh, I, I came back to work on the Wednesday, uh, you know, and I uh, couldn't sleep. So I couldn't rest properly and... Uh, It'll take a week, 10 days. Anyway, I swam yesterday and that was a weird experience. I swam by myself yesterday and I did a lot of stopping and a, a bit of crying and, the, you know, the usual caper given out to myself in Loch Ine. And uh, I felt okay. So we'll see how it goes. You know, we have uh, another five weeks or so of nice weather, so we keep swimming anyway. But it, it's a difficult question. It, it, it's uh, different every time. Yeah, and as you, and uh, yeah, as you get older, d- I'm assuming, does it take longer than the recovery time? Because I mean, you've done so many of these swims in the past. Yeah, I, I honest to God, I think it, I, it gets easier because I know what to expect. It's kind of like jet lag. You know what's coming, and you can do nothing about it. And uh, I kind of prepare for it. Like after the swim, all I did really for the Tuesday was drink fluid, take fluid on, and try and get my systems back up and running properly. Uh, so uh, and the shoulders everything was pretty good it was very well strange well done well done well okay go back to this day last week what was the toughest part of the swim there was there was, there was kind of two tough parts the, the, the beginning was very very frightening you know we started at four in the morning and uh, around a month before exactly to the day a month before we had done a, a 10 hour swim out to the fast and two hours back in and had to come out with uh, bad shoulders you know uh, so uh, it was very, very frightening to come down and look at the monster again and be in the exact same situation uh, four weeks later. And at four o'clock in the morning, just to go let go of everything and go into the dark, into the water and um, go for it. And then when we got to the fast net uh, to actually turn around, uh, the tide was running out there and there was a current running and the water dropped to under 10 degrees. So when we turned, and uh, that was where the, the difficulty has always been with the swim turning and coming back in. Uh, uh, like when we get to the fast net, it's like a marathon. Your body starts thinking, oh, I've got here. It's over. But you actually have to turn around and swim the whole way back in. Yeah, and do it all again. Uh, and uh, the psychological. And that really was the trick. So we learned a lot on the first training swim. And uh, we jumped. Noel Brown jumped in and came in for an hour alongside me. And we got away from the fast net. And we never looked back, really. Uh, Kieran Collins took me two miles down south of Fastnet and uh, took a left, sharp left, if you could look at it like that, and headed for the beacon. And uh, eight hours or so later, we hit the beacon. That, and uh, that was really the difficult part. The, the starting and the turning around were very, very hard because uh, very demoralizing to think, oh, Jeannie Mac, 
when I got out there, I realised, this, this is a long, bloody way out. <laughs> <You> <laughs> we could have told you that before you got <laughs> into the water. <laughs> I should have realised it before I left. <laughs> and, um, but like, while you, while you physically have to do uh, the swim, uh, and, and I know in any interview I ever, I've ever read that you've given or any interview that you do, I mean, you always pay tribute to the 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 team that you bring with you, I mean, they play a role in, in keeping you motivated, don't they? Oh, oh phenomenally. Even, the, you know, the team on shore before it's the, the, my guys that I work with here, John Roach and uh, Ollie and Vincent Hurley, they, they all pushed me further. But uh, Kieran Collins was incredible that day. Everything he said was spot on. Everything that would happen, happened. And that's the whole thing. It's such a technical swim. If a couple of things go wrong, you're against it's against you big style and um, my wife came on board uh, for the swim and my daughter Sive and uh, without them with and Noel Brown and Jacinta that was the team it was a nice small team uh, Jacinta is Noel's partner and uh, Noel said to me around uh, just after we coming into the harbour getting close to the, the voice he says you never complain today and uh, I said well there wasn't really any point because Anne was on board and she would have she told Kieran if he loses one shoulder, he swims with the one arm. And, <laughs> <laughs> and really, once you hear that, you have people so uh, believing that you can do this thing, uh, you don't stop. And you, it really it worked out brilliantly that day. And uh, well I knew there was no point complaining. I, as I say, I can moan like for the best of them. And uh, I just knew that day it, it was going to work. And then animals that you encountered along the way, some, some whales and sharks? Absolutely, yeah. We came out, as I say, at four, so it was dark. So you can't really see anything. You just feel that they are jellyfish brushing off you in the dark. And when we came around the beacon, we got as far as the Gascon and it was just coming to dawn and just surrounded by uh, uh, minkies, mink whales, and uh, a part of them. So it was very, it was another ethereal moment for me anyway. You know, you can't see them, but you know they're there. And they were just scooching around in a circle around me. For around they don't come near you, though. They don't. They come in on the heartbeat, like every whale, really. They come in, they're inquisitive. Uh, and they come in on the heartbeat, and uh, they were just underneath. You could just see the kind of like the black uh, eels kind of underneath you moving. Wow. So it, it was kind of creepy, but it was wonderful, too, once the guys told me what it was. And then we had a couple of humpbacks kind of off, off around a, a kilometer off from me. And a lot of blue sharks just out at the, at the at the fastnet, which is kind of pretty common. But um, you we, mentioned uh, the jellyfish. Aye, the jellyfish are in battalions out there. The the, the compass jellyfish. They they were just waiting for me. So you know you accept that. That wakes you up, as I say. You get a good belt into the face or into the shoulders or ah, the back. And, and what uh, it's a sting. It's a stinging sensation, is it? Oh yeah, it's a good sting, like a, a good wasp sting. But you're cold. So it was it really, we were lucky. The sun was on my back and uh, the water was cold. So uh, it didn't really uh, give give me any kind of bad pain that day anyway. Thank God. As you, you say, you it, just it, accept it. You it know, woke you up. Face. Absolutely. Wake <laughs> you up. It could belt into the face. And, and the boat can see it coming because the water was so clear that day. It was incredible. The boat can see the, the jellyfish as they steam past it and they know you're going to get a bit of it, but they can do nothing about it. They, they uh, And... Uh, it's it's uh, it's just a fact of life for the swimming. And you follow the rules that are set down for the for the channel swim in that you can't touch the boat, but you have to eat during the fifteen hours. Yeah, it was English Channel rules the whole way. Uh, basically, you just do everything in the water. The, my wife was making the feeds up. I use a, a high carb 
with a bit of protein feed called Perpetuum. And she puts that into a shaker bottle with a couple of spoons of sugar and heats it up, puts warm water in it. So I was getting a hot feed every 50 minutes. And they throw that out to you on a line. They give you some mouthwash if you want it every couple of, uh, every second or third, you get a bit of mouthwash just to control the, your tongue because your tongue starts swelling up. And um, that gives you around 700 calories. So the Saturday and the Sunday before, I, I took on, I think, around 7,000 calories each day. <laughs> so that wasn't pleasant. It was just eating for the, for the sake of eating. But yeah. you had to have it in there. So uh, we, you know, everything worked. I brought kicking back in. I might have mentioned to you before, I didn't kick. Yeah. The last time I was too slow getting out of the rock, so we brought kicking back in, which helped a lot, you know, with everything. The stroke and the body uh, worked better in the sea. And it just everything, thank God, worked this time for us. But that was down to the team, really. You know, I'm just a swimmer. I, I just they they just keep me going. And as we uh, said, yeah. you are you are the first to do it. And uh, I mean, you're you're always you're great at getting all of the firsts because you remember the excitement when you were the first to complete uh, the Ocean's Seven swim. But the fact that you're the first to do this, would you like to see this swim open up? Perhaps oh, get it onto the same league as the as the English Channel. Oh, absolutely. It, it, I would say it's a far harder swim. Then the English Channel, sort of, it's a way more technical swim. And the water we have down here, as the boys say, as everybody says, there's something in the water down here. We have, we're lucky in Cork. But uh, we have uh, the Fastnet swim set up, uh, and we've uh, around seven swimmers coming in August now to do just Fastnet back in to, to Baltimore. But this is a, an amazing swim for guys. And I'm sure there will be swimmers coming down. There's a guy from Limerick due to come down, and uh, Carol Cashel. Cork, they're, they're fantastic swimmers. They can they can take this, and it's in our own country. It's in our backyard. It's great. We're blessed. We're absolutely blessed to have it here. We also uh, before the swim, you know, the doubts were in my mind really because you know, as you say, I'm getting older, and people were telling me, you know, you're giving, you should give up, to go play golf or something like that. <laughs> they can take it easy. What more do you want to do? And you know, after the ten hour swim, I, I really was doubted, but we, we I beasted it for one month and. Kiran and Noel seen every swim I did for the solid month. We lived in Loch Ine and in Long Island training, like six-hour swims at the weekend. But, uh, we, you know, um, we came back to the swim. The, the doubt was the thing. So, you know, I have so many people backing me in the, in the town here in Skibbereen and in Baltimore and in, in Skull and Baldehob that uh, I, you never doubt faith in the end, you know. And I wanted to uh, kind of put this out as a swim for the, the RNLI but we've kind of dedicated it now to the RNLI in, in Baltimore because Kira is on the crew and Pamela in Union Hall. So that is on Facebook. Uh, I know I'm, I'm lagging it now, but uh, it's kind of very important. They, they rescued a little girl there, a hard girl, a friend of ours there a couple of weeks ago. So it's very important that we help everybody. And that's really what we're there for. If we can get people down to swim here, it's, it's a far better swim than English Channel. My yeah, God. it's fantastic. You know, and it's to get out to the rock and to see it and to, to believe you can get back in, it's incredible. Like, as I say, I'm a dinosaur now. I, I was you are not. You are not. Well, that, that's four years of obsession. Well, well done, well done. It's it's another first for you. And Phyllis McCarthy says, behind every good man, 
There's always a good woman. Uh, Anne Coughlin is that woman. Well done to Steve and and all of the family. That's from Phyllis. Okay. Listen, listen. In, enjoy the rest and the recovery period. And and I know there will be more uh, swims. You're, you're you're absolutely amazing. What what you do as an endurance uh, swimmer, and we're all very proud of you here in Cork uh, for sure. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank Thanks. you for we're that. Trying to get John Paul down for a swim there, but he's refusing. Ah, well, well, I'll, I'll work on that. All right. You work on that. You mind yourself, Steve. Take care. Take care. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. A lot of commentary coming in on different topics that we've been discussing today on Lorraine's son going out of the country on holidays to Spain next month and he's just discovered he's going to lose his COVID payment for the week he's in Spain and then for the two weeks that we will have to self-isolate. A texture says, it's, it, it, there has come a time in this world where we need to ban the word the word entitled. Everybody feels they're entitled to this and entitled to that. We need to ban that word completely, says a texter. And then listen to this when you're talking about going to Spain and people are saying that Lorraine's son has been selfish about going to Spain when you see the amount of COVID-19 activity in Spain and they seem to be going backwards instead of forwards. The listener says, Hi Patricia, I went to, to Spain on two weeks holidays. I went to the Costa del Sol. I came home. I self-isolated for two weeks. Spain, by the way, was brilliant. Brilliant. It was very safe. Masks were worn everywhere. You sanitise in and out of shops. My friend, meanwhile, went to Killarney for a weekend. Guess what? Got sick and tested positive. I went to Spain. He went to Killarney. So he did a staycation. Can you explain that, please? Can you explain that, please? People, it's common sense. Use your own verdict. It's rip off Ireland. I got two weeks for half of his weekend and he got the virus. I didn't. Please uh, explain. Well, your friend was unfortunate that he picked up the virus. But I don't know when you went to Spain, how long ago it was that you went to Spain. Certainly Spain were doing well at one stage, but they've gone their numbers are going back up again. It looks like they're right bang in the middle of a second wave. It's one of the reasons why in the United Kingdom people returning this weekend discovered when they got off the plane they left to go to Spain because they were told it was okay to go but because of the surge in numbers they now have to self-isolate when they come home so Spain certainly you were very lucky when you were there uh, but certainly it's a very very different picture in Spain at, at the moment thank you for your text hi Patricia I feel if Lorraine's son is so irresponsible that he's going to what is now a covert hot spot I have my doubts about himself isolating when he would go home after all, we know that the government are not checking up on people when they come back into this country. Look at the crash worker in Dublin who flew in from Spain at the weekend and went back into work on the Monday. It was only for the bravery of a co-worker reporting her she could have infected a lot more people because it turned out she didn't have any symptoms. They just sent her forward for a test. There will be selfish people everywhere which which got me thinking that was what happened in that that crash was 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 crazy that person should have self isolated she never should have gone in uh, to work but it got me thinking are people going to start doing that are people going to start going away 
and thinking better not tell anyone at work, better not say anything because we know when we discussed this last week there are so many companies now who are saying to people if you go away on holidays, we can't stop you going away on holidays but if you do, when you return you're not to come back into work, you must self-isolate for two weeks and by the way we're not going to pay you. Will we have some people going away on holidays, staying off social media, obviously, not sharing with any of their work colleagues that they were away on holidays and they come back and just go into work. I'm wondering, is that going to be a problem and how will employers and how will other workers handle it if they find out that somebody has been away, you know, will they do like what happened in Dublin? It was it was another co-worker decided to report her and the creche decided to send away for testing and it turned out that, that she did uh, have it. Um, because there's another good point that came in from, oh, this is one. Now, this is a, a company, I haven't heard in any other company, but maybe this is also going to become commonplace. Trisha and the young lads heading away on their holidays to Spain. In the company where I work, we have been told if anyone that we live with, be it our children, our partner or our parents, if any of them in the household where we live decide to go away on a far, foreign holiday, then we must stay at home also for the two weeks when they come back as part of their self-isolation. And by the way, we have to do it at our own expense. We won't get paid. And, and, and it's first, I haven't heard it. It doesn't surprise me. The companies are not going to start starts doing that. I think as more and more companies are, and businesses are opening up, they're so terrified of bringing the virus into the place of work that could close the whole place down then while everybody has to go home and, and self-isolate that I suppose employers are doing everything in their power to keep everybody safe and to keep the business going. So I can understand why they say to people, if you do decide to go on holidays, then don't come back to work for two weeks after you come back, self-isolate and then you can come back. But that certainly is the first company I've heard where the employees have been told if anyone in your household, that's going to cause such rows in a household. I straight away thought of Lorraine's son. I don't know if how many, many others live in the house. I don't know if Lorraine works, but could you imagine if Lorraine works herself and her company tells her if your son goes away on holiday when he comes back you must self-isolate as well and by the way you're going to do it at your own expense. Thank you I don't know who, there's no name on that. Thank you for whoever texts that in to 0862 uh, On schools and schools reopening and we are we're trying to there's no word back. I don't know what time the cabinet are meeting today. I don't know what time they're going to publish the rules and guidelines for schools at reopening. Certainly doesn't look like it could be before we knock off here at uh, one o'clock. So we're all waiting to see what exactly is going to be contained in this roadmap to get the schools back uh, up and running. But one of the points when I spoke with uh, Anne Pickett, the president-elect of the ASTI, she said she very much favours the idea of everybody entering the school, both the pupils and the teachers, that everybody would have their temperatures checked. She very much favours that. We don't know if it's going to be introduced or not. But here's uh, a listener makes a point on that. Hi Trish, I see a problem with the temperature being taken at school. Straight away I would have a problem with my son. My son suffers from arthritis and when it gets very bad, when he gets a very bad arthritis flare-up, the first thing to happen is he'll get a high temperature. He's not contagious. He doesn't have COVID-19, but he can spike high temperatures, which is the start of an arthritis flare-up. So if he heads into school, there's nothing except his arthritis and he obviously goes to school and he battles through a flare-up, bless his heart. But his temperature 
will be high. Does that mean he has to go home straight away until the temperature comes down? And of course, people will have high temperatures for a whole host of uh, different reasons. And it is one of the things, and I did mention it when I was speaking with Anne, as we go into cold and flu seasons with people just picking up like the common cold, a head cold and coughing and spluttering and tonsillitis and ear infections and all of that. I mean, are we going to get to the stage where in order to make sure somebody doesn't have COVID-19, it will just be the case of if you have a high temperature, if you're showing any signs of symptoms of any kind of a head cold, cold, uh, any kind of a fluey symptom, you're just going to have to stay at home. That's one of the reasons why the teachers were going to need so many more substitute uh, teachers. But I'm banking with everybody with the good hand hygiene and the cough etiquette and all of us wearing our masks. I'm waiting to see, will we see a reduction in the amount of colds and flus because we won't be spreading it as much. It'll be only, only time will tell if that's going to be one of the pluses of us all wearing the masks or not. And by the way, we have sent an email off to the Department of the Taoiseach to find out when will the legislation be when will the legislation be passed whereby it's mandatory for the face mask at the moment we know it's not mandatory they're just saying to everybody they should be wearing it but it isn't mandatory at the moment and we're we're waiting for them to come back to find out if they have a date on it and what will the fines be because I think that's going to make it very different when you when somebody knows you could be fined and on the spot fine I think you'll you'll start seeing people wearing the masks all the more because somebody said hi Patricia I was in my local supermarket yesterday very surprised to see staff working on the meat counter and those stacking shelves and they were not only not wearing masks but they weren't wearing gloves either the only staff wearing gloves and masks were those on the tills I'm reluctant now to shop here in the future. I was very surprised at this particular supermarket. I did, by the way, voice my concerns. Well done. And I'm hopeful that the supermarket concerned will address uh, this. Yeah, because it was the one thing I've felt since last Wednesday week when Micheál Martin announced that we should all be wearing masks and that it would be mandatory. I certainly noticed a big change in any of the supermarkets I've been in. And I was in two supermarkets back into last week and one over the weekend and on both occasions and I was watching. I was doing my shopping but I was watching everybody and on both occasions I would say almost 100% of people were wearing face masks or some kind of a face covering or a visor. Can't say it's the same though in the small shops and that's why I think it's going to have to be mandatory before everybody starts doing it in the uh, small shops. 1850-333-103. If you've got questions for Annalise, can you keep those coming in? Uh, please, Sadie and John Paul are taking the calls. And just on school uniforms, there's a couple in on school uniforms. How... If they do decide in the roadmap today, if they do decide and say that all children need to have fresh uniforms and clean clothes every single day when they come into school, somebody says, how are they going to know for sure if a parent has washed the clothes or not? And someone else says, I wouldn't be putting my child's school uniform into the dryer because the dryer will ruin the uh, uniform. And I don't think any school is going to expect every every pupil to have a brand new uniform the next day. I'm assuming they're going to allow them to they wouldn't expect anyone to have like five uniforms across the week. So I'm assuming if it is, we're only speculating but if uniforms are covered in the guidelines I'm assuming you will be allowed to wear your track suits are. As some are saying, will they just will it put an end to uniforms until the end of the pandemic and people will be allowed to wear what uh, they like. Eileen says, I have five children all school going. I think every household should be given a grant 
to buy a steamer and then you could disinfect the uniforms every evening like they're doing in the shops at the moment after people trying them on. So every household that has a school going child would be given a grant towards the purchase of a steamer. Eileen said that would be one way of guaranteeing that you're getting rid of any germs on the uniforms would others agree. 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And as we mentioned last week by way of an interview, Scuffy, Scruffy's Pet Shop in Delmanway. They're looking for 11 volunteers. It's to pose with their pets for their 2021 Naked Calendar. All proceeds from the calendar will be split 11 ways to each charity or club represented by the different months. You can contact Scruffy's by emailing scruffiespetshop at gmail.com or you can connect with them on social media. Car Bingo, which is proving really popular, is going to be held in League Sports Field Ladies Well on next Sunday. And of course, next Sunday is our bank holiday weekend. It has a six o'clock start if you want to go to that uh, car bingo in uh, Timaleague. And the annual Mickle Memorial Motorcycle Run in Eight of Pieta House is going virtual this year. You are asked to participate on Saturday the 8th of August by posting pictures of you and your motorbike on your motorbike rideout in the Mickle Memorial Facebook page uh, and then you can donate to the GoFundMe link and it's to raise vital funds for Pieta House. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. Now, there's a couple of texts in and I wasn't ignoring this issue. It was just there were so many other issues came up today that I didn't get a chance uh, to mention it. But Alan in Tallow, I think, was probably the first in... Um, I've just seen a breaking news story. Uh, a man has been put on stead after a shooting in Dublin. It's just um, a breaking. It's the it's the scene in Ballyformas. The area has just been uh, sealed off. No doubt we'll have more of that. Uh, stressful, isn't it? Bad enough pandemics going on without people being killed um, in this way. It's just shocking. Uh, we'll have more of that, no doubt, on the, the news at one o'clock. But Alan in uh, Tallis says, Hi, Patricia, I think this issue with the people being cut off their COVID payment while on holiday is a total smokescreen. We now have Mr. and Mrs. Joe Soap all arguing with each other as to whether the young lad should be allowed to go or not, while no one is talking about the totally disgraceful issue of junior ministers being given a pay rise. Divide and conquer comes to mind with this new government which is surrounded, has been surrounded by controversy since its inception and that's from Alan, Alan Intalo. Thank you for that. Uh, Alan, as I say, you were probably one of the first to get in with a text on it and I wasn't ignoring you because I can see there's other texts in as well. Eileen says, Patricia, I know it will be all talk about the reopening of schools today but I'm wondering, since Pascal Donoghue said the super Super junior ministers are sitting at the table with the ministers and that they deserve to receive parity of pay for sitting at the table, not necessarily doing the same work. They are not deemed ministers. When will pay parity since 2011 when people are doing the same job be restored to all? It's the same story all the time. Look after themselves, making it 
makes it very hard to think that they're doing the best for the country when we have what is seen as all of these strokes being pulled. Thanking you. And that's come in from Eileen. And Frank says, you haven't mentioned about the three super, and I'm just going to say junior ministers, because I can't use the word that Frank wants to call them, who have been given €16,000 by way of a pay rise. I do not have any problem as regards anyone getting a pay rise. But this really is lotto. It's a lotto pay rise. It's a disgrace. Nurses and healthcare workers get a round of applause. How wrong that they have no problem whatever finding this extra money for themselves. Uh, kind regards, says Frank. And I did see somebody at the weekend saying that if the junior ministers, could we not all give them a round of applause instead of forking out at this at money? It's the top up pay for super juniors. They already earn €134,000 a year and they are getting an extra 16288 on top of it. Now, teachers, childcare workers and doctors' unions have all reacted with fury to it because these are all workers who have suffered a salary inequality for a number of years and they think it is really, really unfair. So, the super juniors are getting the uh, this extra money. Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue yesterday came out straight away and said he does understand that there is annoyance and anger over the government's decision to sign off on the pay increases for the three super juniors. Uh, Pascal Donoghue said that while he could absolutely understand the anger that this was causing, the decision, he said, should be placed in the context of a number of measures announced under the government stimulus plan that was announced last week. The Minister's comments uh, came after the Dáil on Friday voted for legislation for the ministerial salary of the three super juniors to be increased by over 16,000. Who are they? They're Fianna Fáil's Jack Chambers and Fianna Gael's Hindegard Nocton. They will now each receive a salary of €151,000 a year. And then the Green Party Senator Pippa Hackett, because obviously she is the Senator, even though she's been She's now become a junior minister in the Department of the Agriculture. Obviously, the Senate pay is lower, so her basic her basic is low, lower. Even though she's getting the extra sixteen thousand two hundred and eighty eight, so she'll get one hundred and twenty three thousand one hundred and eighty six euros. Staggering sums of money. The government said the legislation was enacted to ensure all ministers of state who sit at cabinet are paid equally. Now you have all of the different unions coming out. I mean, the teachers' union were straight out because we have teachers working in uh, classrooms and uh, because a teacher qualified at a different time, again it's as Eileen mentioned in her text since 2011, they are you're going to have two teachers doing exactly the same hours, doing exactly the same work sitting in the same staff room having their cup of coffee at 11s and it must be just so annoying for the younger teacher that just happened to start the job in 2011 and they're getting paid less, less than the person sitting across who's having the same cup of coffee and has just come out of the classroom doing the same uh, amount of work. It really, really is frustrating and of course it isn't just teachers, it's also doctors. I know the Irish, the Irish Medical Organisation they were very annoyed uh, by it because they have consultants in hospitals who continue to earn more than 30% less than their colleagues purely based on the date of their employment and the INMO or the Irish Medical Organisation say that the 
the, the disparity was introduced by the government in 2012 and that hasn't been rectified either. So I knew when I heard the junior ministers and it was all to do with pay parity and everybody sitting around the table getting the same pay, I straight away said that is going to cause a lot of anger and make very, people very, very annoyed. And indeed it has. 1850 John Paul and... Sadie are taking your calls. We are looking for your questions, please, for Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist. If you have a question for Annalise, you can get those in. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Okay, keep your calls coming in for Annalise, please. Before we go to her, though, I have a couple of uh, texts I want to bring you. Here's an interesting one from Mary. Mary says, uh, Patricia, please warn your listeners, be very careful when you're sanitising your hands entering shops and businesses. Last Wednesday, I was in a shop. Now, it was in Waterford City. As I entered, I had to sanitise my hands. No problem doing that. Uh, So I went in and I was sanitised my hands and I suddenly got a desperate smell of bleach from my hands. I was wearing black trousers at the time and I was very lucky I didn't touch my trousers. I would have had marks all over them. But the smell on bleach on my hands was unbelievable. I was raging. I left the shop immediately to wash my hands elsewhere. So just be careful that some of the stores are not using bleach for hand sanitising. Of course it will be cheaper, but certainly not for the faint-hearted, said Mary. Goodness me. I mean, I mean I've been in lots of different shops and they have the hand sanitizer. Some of the supermarkets will have a product that you can spray onto your the trolley, you know, the handle of your trolley and there'll be paper towels there for you to clean it off, and that's probably a bleach type of uh, solution. But I would not be suggesting that anyone would be putting bleach you'd could burn the hands off yourself with bleach. Anyway, as Mary said, not for the faint-hearted. You need to keep an eye on that uh, for sure. Now, on the listener who was looking for a grant and was saying that all families that have a child in school that the government should issue some kind of a grant whereby you could go out and buy a steamer and then the idea would be at the end of every day you'd steam children's clothes. It's a little bit like what shops are doing if you try on any of the shops around you to try them on or if you return them, they steam them before they put them back out for sale for anyone else. Just just if, God forbid, that there was some COVID-19 on it, the steamer seemingly gets rid of it. So one of our listeners was saying, surely a good idea for the government if they issued a grant to every family that's a school-going child to let them buy a steamer and then the steamer could be used and that families wouldn't have this headache of having to wash a school uniform every single day. Patricia, why does everybody want grants to help them bring up their children. These were children at the end of the day that they chose to have themselves. Surely the parents could be responsible for purchasing a couple of extra tracksuits or school uniforms uh, and wash for their own child's safety. Cannot understand the mentality of people. We're back to what somebody said earlier. We need to ban the word entitled. Uh, Somebody... Why should people be entitled uh, to somebody? Uh, somebody else says, uh, to the caller that wants the, the steamer, did the government make her pregnant? And now now she wants a grant for a steamer. Uh, if it helps and she thinks it will help, tell her go out and buy one herself. Uh, 
1850 uh, And somebody else is on about, I don't know if I can find it, somebody else is on about, the, and we don't know about the washing of uniforms, we don't know if that's what's going to be asked for or not, but somebody is saying that the type of material that is used in some of the uniforms today, there is no way you're going to be able to wash them every single day. They simply will not last. Uh, so we'll wait and see what, exactly what the government are going to suggest uh, on uh, that one. OK, one final text before we go to uh, Annalise. Uh, Anna says on uh, masks. Um, I just observed over the weekend people wearing masks, but they kept pulling them up and down, taking them off when coming out of a shop. I saw some people putting them into their pockets or popping them into their handbags. It, is, is there really any use wearing them then if they're not doing it properly? We've all been told when you put on one of these masks, don't touch them. When you get home, you need to wash them at 60 degrees after every use. People are just using them going from one shop to the other shop, but they're using the same mask without washing them in between. People have said, how can, could you be washing them after every use? She would want nothing else to be doing. I just can't figure out this mentality and this logic. Also, the school uniforms, no way will parents be washing them every day and certainly not at 60 degrees. All the fa- fibres will be destroyed. In the Irish weather, it will be impossible to wash them every evening and have them dry for the, sp- for the next day, especially if you have more than one uh, child. We are living in a very crazy world, says uh, Anna. And there's been a lot of talk about that, about the masks and the, put, the donning and doffing of masks, how to put them on, how to take them off and how you shouldn't be touching them and you shouldn't be at them. And you are right, for some reason, people are at them the whole time, which they say is, is completely defeating the purpose. Or the other one that I noticed, uh, certainly on, on Saturday, was some of the people wearing them and not having their nose covered. You need to have it up over your nose. Annalise Dressel, our nutritional therapist, is, is on the line as I'm, as I'm speaking. Uh, good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon. The, the correct wearing of the mask, it is important that your nose and mouth is fully covered, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it is. I was listening there to you and it is very common. I'm seeing it a lot. People are pulling their masks down. It's covering their mouth, but not their nose when they're talking. And I understand why, because having to wear it myself, it's very suffocating mm. when you're talking into a heavy mask. Um, it's, it can be it can affect breathing, definitely. And it's not pleasant, but it's not functioning if it's not covering your mouth. You're completely defeating the purpose of wearing it in the first place. So just have to do it. The other thing I've noticed, even myself, Patricia, is I'm actually consciously having to not touch my face because the mask is making my face itchy. Yeah, yeah, it is so, It is um, difficult. And I know we invited the Asthma Society on last week on the programme because we had so many people with asthma saying, I can't wear a mask, I can't wear a mask. And the Asthma Society said, you just have to get used to it. And you know, they spoke about trying out different types of masks, get used to wearing them at home for short periods of time. But I mean, I do feel for someone like, like yourself and others in retail who are forced to wear them all day. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what I'm thinking though, Patricia, is that... It's a small price to pay if it means we don't get a huge second wave. And, Absolutely. you know, we have a lot of people coming from different counties around Ireland and we have a lot of people coming into Ireland on holidays and maybe not everybody is um, following the two weeks isolation guidelines. So I think it's a necessary evil at the moment. None of us want to go back to full shutdown again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you are so right. OK, let's get straight into questions for you. Uh, Joan from Mallow, please. Could Annalise recommend anything I can take for dizziness? I've had it for about a week. I'm suffering with high blood pressure and I'm suffering with diabetes. But now to add to that, I'm getting dizziness. So, OK, well, the dizziness could be a couple of things now, Patricia. I mean, you could be dizzy from high blood pressure or you could be dizzy from low blood pressure too. 
Um, so it might be that. Sometimes, actually, if you've just if you're on high blood pressure medication and it's changed, um, maybe from a brand name to a generic, maybe the result would be dizziness while you're getting used to the new medication. If your blood sugar is dropping, so if your diabetes medication isn't doing the job efficiently and your blood sugar is dropping a bit low, that would make you light-headed and dizzy. So it could be either of those reasons. And then the third reason why people would experience dizziness is something called vertigo, which is actually a, a virus similar to the flu virus that affects the canals of the inner ear. So they become inflamed, and these canals are responsible for our balance. So people who get vertigo feel dizzy, they feel seasick, they feel nauseous. It's like it's like being on a boat, feeling seasick. Your sense of balance and everything is gone. And I did have a great supplement um, that had great success with Patricia called um, Nature's Plus Age Loss Hearing Support. And it's um, a combination of lots of different nutrients and probiotics and essential oil extracts that are all designed to bring the inflammation down in the inner ear. And it does seem to work very well for people with vertigo and some people with tinnitus got good results with it as well. Unfortunately, it's going to be discontinued. What I have in stock now, I have and then it's gone. So if she feels it could be vertigo, trying something like that might be worthwhile. Okay. Uh, Hi, uh, Annalise. Just wondering, what would you recommend for somebody who's suffering from cramps in their foot? And by the way, I can't take magnesium. Don't know why, but the person can't take magnesium. Okay, so... There's a couple of things that may help. Um, You could rub the magnesium oil directly into the foot, so that wouldn't affect um, your gut if if, if the reason you can't take magnesium is because it disagrees with you. Um, But also very little of it would actually get into the bloodstream, so it shouldn't affect any medications. Uh, The other option would be, let me see now what else, Um, quinine possibly is is another option. Now, doctors can prescribe quinine tablets, but they don't like doing it long term. So you can take the tonic water. Um, Make sure that you read the uh, ingredients because a lot of those tonic waters don't even have quinine in there anymore. So I do know the Belvoir one has quinine. I have some here in the shop. I think the lovely one, the Fever Tree one, that definitely has quinine in there. So just check the label. You definitely want quinine in it. That's very good for muscle cramps. The other thing that it might be as well is it could be down to um, the the fascia muscle that's in the foot it, and possibly maybe a little bit of reflexology or massage of the feet, like a, a foot massage, would release out any tension in that muscle and that would stop cr- the cramping as well. Okay. Hi, Annalise. Is there anything you could recommend for a person who appears to constantly need to clear their throat? Also, what would be good to keep ears unblocked from sinus issues? Okay. Yeah. Clearing of the throat. I think that's probably all related, Patricia, because like our ears and our nose and our throat, they're all connected. So it sounds to me like there's a bit of a what they call a post-nasal drip. So there's a, a backup of mucus coming down probably from the sinuses and from the ear canals into the throat. So you're constantly having to swallow down the mucus. So our body will produce mucus mostly as a reaction to what is perceived as an allergen or a threat. So like a lot of people would produce it to hay fever now, for example, would be the classic example of that. But a lot of people would produce it to dairy. It's a typical food. Even myself, when I would eat it, I feel cheese, especially I get that kind of feeling in the back of my throat and I feel I'm swallowing a lot more mucus. So maybe take a look at the diet and see if it's something in the diet that's causing the production of mucus. Other causes would be 
besides hay fever would be environmental allergies to maybe mould in Ireland particularly. And if that was the case, you'd know because you'd be a lot worse in damp weather than you would be in dry, fine weather. And for some people, it'll clear up completely when they go to a hot country. So in terms of managing it then, there's a couple of things, herbs that are very good to dry up mucus. One of them is ivy and thyme combination. You'll get that in any health shop. Plantago is another great one as well to help you shift and be able to get, actually to be honest, Plantago is better if the mucus is kind of stuck in your chest. It's great for for helping get it out, whereas the ivy and thyme is probably better to dry it up. And of course, as always, the Dr. Dealish Claire Mucotone is a wonderful one for um, drying it up and loosening it up if it's stuck in the chest. So you'll be able to get that on her website or some health shops might stock it as well. Hi Annalise, is it advisable to take Q10 if you're taking a statin? Well, definitely as an insurance policy, if you don't mind the cost of it because the good quality Q10 is expensive. What happens with the statin is that um, it stops a pathway in the liver that makes cholesterol and that's how it brings your cholesterol down. But that pathway also makes that vitamin called coenzyme Q10. And it's a very important part of our energy pathway. So if your energy pathway is going to be lacking that vitamin, muscles won't have enough energy, the brain won't have enough energy. So typical symptoms, which would be the symptoms of the statin, would be muscle pain, particularly across the back of the shoulders, pains running down the legs in the muscle. Some people get joint pain, short-term forgetfulness. So you kind of, where you go into a room to get something, you can't remember what you went in for. Some people would get maybe a bit low in mood or a bit cross or cranky. And then tiredness on exertion. So if you went up the stairs and you felt out of breath, whereas normally it wouldn't have bothered you before, they would be all typical side effects. And in that case, you definitely 100% should be taking the coenzyme Q10 uh, because of it's such an important role, especially down the road for brain function. Um, but if you're not getting any side effects, maybe, you, you know, maybe you're, you don't need it. Uh, the other thing as well is that it wouldn't be suitable for people on blood thinners, Patricia. They need to check with their doctors first just to make sure the doctor was aware because it does slightly thin the blood as well. OK, hi, this is from Pat. Could you ask Annalise, is there any supplement to support tired, achy legs, particularly when I walk upstairs? Yeah, now that could be a couple of things there. Again, Patricia, so it could be water retention, you know, can make your legs tired and achy. could be muscle dysfunction. So muscle, as I said, there it needs coenzyme Q10, but also magnesium is a really important one for the energy pathways. So maybe a magnesium rub, rub would help. If it's down to varicose veins, uh, which is a very, very common cause of tired and achy legs, um, the actual horse nut tree gel is very good. You can also take the extract of the horse nut tree and it works from the inside. Hawthorn is another herb you can take as well that's very good for the health of all of your veins and arteries and tiny capillaries. But you can get the horse um, chestnut gel in health shops under the name Vena Gel, V-E-N-A-G-E-L. And Vena Tone is the uh, the name of the supplement. So if it's varicose veins, that's the answer for you. Hi, uh, Annalise. Can you take aloe vera complex continuously or should you only be taking it for a specific length of time? So aloe vera complex is a very nice, mild and gentle natural laxative that you don't become dependent on. So I think, look, there's certainly no harm to taking it long term. There is some magnesium in it. So um, I do recommend that people take it at night time because taking high doses of magnesium over the long term might affect your ability um, of absorbing calcium because they both compete for absorption in the gut. 
So if you're having a high dose of magnesium, it might mean that you wouldn't be absorbing enough calcium from your food. And of course, long term, that could cause bone problems. But with the aloe vera complex, you're taking it night, so it wouldn't be an issue. And it's safe to take long term. But if it's not, you know, if, if you need to take it every night, there's something more sinister going on because you shouldn't be needing to have laxatives to get you going to the toilet every single day. So it might be worth figuring out why is the constipation occurring in the first place. Okay, here's a lengthy text going. Hi, Annalise and Patricia. 13 years ago, I suffered a massive stroke. I was only in my early 40s. Since then, I've put on a lot of weight and I seem to have fluid retention. My GP is slow to change my medication as other than the weight gain, I'm doing great. I find walking boring and I always hated it. So it's more like a punishment to me to get out and exercise. I do love, though, being outside in the garden, in the fresh air, etc. I'm wondering, is there a herbal cure I could take for fluid retention that wouldn't upset my current medication which is blood thinners and blood pressure tablets thanking you in advance. So again you see the blood pressure medication in of itself could be causing the fluid retention Patricia so you know it might be worth having a word with your doctor about that. Um, the typical things you would take for blood pre- for sorry for fluid retention would be things like um, dandelion, hawthorn, magnesium. These it's not that they're unsafe with your medic with with that type of medication, but when it comes to stroke, you need to be very careful, and it is worth talking to your doctor about using them first. Um, I would have good success here with the herbal tea, which is um, by Heat and Heather, and it's called dandelion and burdock tea, and it is great for water retention. And that, of course, would be much milder than taking a supplement or taking a herbal tincture and should be safe with medication. But I think in the case here where it's so important, it's definitely worth talking to your doctor about it. And then, I mean, in terms of the weight gain, unfortunately, it's, you know, what we say all the time, if there was only a magic cure, cure, Patricia, but really it is about just eating less and exercising more. Mm. And maybe um, walking is horrible, but swimming is a great one if you're into it. It's about really finding something you like. Yeah, yeah, maybe get an exercise bike, sit and watch TV and be on the exercise bike. It's just to try to come up with something else. Uh, And yeah, and for some people, walking, they just just hate it and I I accept and understand that. And um, good luck with it, by the way, to that listener. And Michelle, this is a kind of a, a common one that comes up every now and again. Could Anna Please to give advice, please, about restless legs in bed. My legs keep jerking in bed at night and it's a terrible sensation. It actually makes it impossible to sleep, says Michelle. What would you recommend? That comes up fairly regularly. It's very common, Patricia. I mean, I think I, I probably even have it myself sometimes. Uh, the generate the first rule of thumb is magnesium. Um, taking magnesium before you go to bed or rubbing a magnesium gel into the legs. So that would be definitely worth trying first. But there are other reasons that your reg- legs could be restless. And it could be an iron deficiency or it could be a B12 deficiency. So it's certainly worth going and having your bloods tested. Or if you've been low on those in the past, it might be no harm taking, um, you know, a month of an iron supplement or a B12 supplement to see did it help with the restless legs. Um, if, you, if you're if you on certain medications and you're not sure about taking magnesium, take it, putting the magnesium gel on is often enough. Uh, another reason people get restless legs is often menopausal. Um, and again, the magnesium can help there, but that might be 
might maybe want to look at HRT if you'd like to take the medication or there's plant-based hormones that you can take. They would be available in health shops and maybe that would be a better way to go if you feel it's related to menopause. The other last one then, of course, is the quinine again, Patricia. And actually, I'm surprised at how many people are on the quinine tablets. So it is a very common problem. Your doctor can write your prescription for those or if not, drink a bottle of tonic water at night before you go to bed. Okay, and Anna says, I have an inflamed sciatica nerve and now I've pulled the hamstring on the same leg. Ooh, I'm rubbing deep heat in. Is there anything else that I can be doing, Susanna? Yeah, well, I'm always arnica is great for pulled, um, for sore muscle pulled and tissue, torn tissue. So it's great for healing. So you could take homeopathic arnica um, and you could use an arnica gel to rub it in. Now, arnica, they say, is not safe if you're on a blood thinner again. So maybe that might be something... Um, to um, to discuss with the doctor. There is another homeopathic remedy that is safe that's great for injuries to tendons. So if the hamstring has kind of been, if, you, if you've pulled it very badly, this might be more suitable. Um, it's called Rux, uh, sorry, Rutta Grava is the one. R-U-T-A and then G-R-A-V-A. And it's a homeopathic remedy. So you'll get it in the health shop. Okay, all right, we'll wrap it up there. Listen, Annalise, thank you for uh, thank you for that. Um, you we've bank holiday weekend next weekend. Are you so, are you noticing more people in and out of the shop? Is it getting busier? Do you know slightly busier, Patricia? But again, I think people are on holiday, so always in the summer for us, it's the quieter time. So, um, and it's lovely. I was speaking with John Paul. We were both saying how busy it is down in West Cork. So it's nice to see that local businesses will be getting the benefits of the tourists. Yeah, and long long may that last. Okay, we won't talk to you next week because it is Bank Holiday Weekend. So we'll talk to you in a fortnight's time. Thanks, Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Annalise Drissel, the Health Hub, Times Square in Balancholic. Just to wrap up on a couple of your texts coming in. Um, listener says, in relation to masks, if staff are having problem wearing uh, the masks, do, do what they do in restaurants and allow them to wear the visors in, instead. And I was in some supermarkets and some of the staff had visors on instead of uh, face masks. So kind of where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, hi, Patricia. Just wondering, when does the money start for the staycation that was announced in the stimulus pack? at the staycationing where you can claim money back is from I'm assuming the 1st of uh, October because it's to run from October through to April so I would imagine 1st of October to the back end to the end of April when we get uh, actual dates but it's not in place until the start of October for sure and on the junior ministers getting the extra pay still getting commentary in on that Uh, Patricia really annoyed uh, with the government over 16,000 euro increase to these junior super junior ministers I'm on an invalidity pension I got no increase during COVID-19 this is a disgrace it's also a slap in the teeth to the frontline workers who didn't get any extra pay for going to work during COVID-19. It would be more in their line to do like what the New Zealand government has done where the New Zealand government all came out at the start of lockdown and they all took a 20% decrease in their pay and that was to help their economy and that was right across the government in uh, the in New Zealand. Uh, why can't our government uh, do the same? Okay, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara and to Sadie taking your calls today. We are back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon and stay safe. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.